What's up, everybody? This is episode 83 of Cooldown Time. In this episode, our end-of-year coverage continues with our letter grades for Xbox's year in 2022, plus our first impressions of Pentiment, Somerville, and Warzone 2.0, plus our thoughts on the Game Awards nominees, and much more. But before we get started, it's time to introduce your two-man panel for the show. I am your graphically impressive host, Marco. And joining me is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, how's it going, man? Tough day. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You know, okay. For those of you who don't know, I'm a new parent. Mm. My child is seven months old. And I got I to gotta be honest, these first seven months, I'm like, you know, I know they said being a parent is hard. It's hard, but it ain't that hard. Mm-hmm. Today, I realized what all the fuss was about. Mm. Uh, all those times that people told me being a parent is hard. Uh, this was a day. This was a tough day, uh, but guess what? We're going to talk about some video games, and I'm hyped about that. Got a little me time in here now, mm-hmm. a wife taking care of the child, and I can uh, can let loose, let my hair down okay. and talk you, about you don't video have games okay. and all things okay. have to do with games. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is getting bad. It's getting bad fast. Um, I'm just trying to hold back, hold back all the tears <laughs> in my heart. It's going to be all right. I just, I just patted my phone. Uh, pretending that you're, you're, it's you. It's going to be okay. Uh, if it's any consolation, which it won't be for you, uh, I don't know why I even ah. said it like that, but I just got my refunds from Stadia uh, for buying the, the two games that I bought. So, uh, you know, oh, I'm yeah, feeling pretty good. Feel I, I had a better. My day was great. My day was several times better than yours. Um, no doubt. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we do have a fun episode in store uh, for all of you this week. And that includes, uh, as we said at the top of this, more end-of-year coverage. Uh, plenty more going on between now and the end of the year, uh, including more uh, Game Awards discussions when it actually happens, as well as Game of the Year deliberations, which is what we do every year, uh, which will be happening around Christmas time. So a lot to look forward to on the podcast for sure. And uh, that's as good a reason as any to subscribe. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, our official website at cooldowntime.com. We're there wherever you need us, pretty much. And if you're feeling extra cool, you can also follow us on IG and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Uh, So, Pablo, let's not waste any time, man. Let's jump right into the first segment of the show devoted to the games we've been playing since you last heard from us. And we call that loadouts. Let's get it. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, homie. So we have about, uh, looks like four games in total to talk about. A few of these we can kind of uh, share the discussion since we're both playing them. Uh, And I think we'll go ahead and do that with the first game on our list, which is Pentiment, uh, which is the game that uh, is from Obsidian Entertainment. Uh, It's on Xbox exclusively and uh, accessible via Game Pass. It is a very different game from what we're used to from Obsidian, to say the absolute least. And uh, I, think, uh, I think it's a very different game from what we're used to, period. It, 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 yeah, I actually got to say it is pretty different compared to most things. Um, and I think for yeah. me, that's been a really jarring experience. And um, 
I had to kind of check myself at first because I'm like, do I feel this way just because I'm playing God of War and this is like the right. complete antithesis of God of War? This is the most Absolutely. ungodly of war type of game <laughs> that exists. But um, I've been having a hard time with it. So, I, I mean, for me, it's been kind of um, it's been tough to get into this one because it's so uh, dense in its time period, its era, and it, yeah. it's in a good way. I mean, it is really doing a great job. I think it's just kind of hard for me to get into it right now, but I'll share more thoughts later. I want to kick it over to you first since you put yeah. more time into it than me. Uh, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the game is at its core pretty hardcore yeah. when it comes to its content and even its setting. It's a, it's a game set in the 16th century. You don't see a lot of games set in that century. No. And yet here we are. I mean, this is everything about this game from symbolism to artwork could is all represents this century. Uh, but, you know, for those of you who don't know what this game is, it is, I guess you could put it in the point and click category, right? It's it's conversational. It's uh, I know that uh, the developer said that the game is basic, it's basically about conversation and exploration. Yeah. Um, and that's, Really, all you do, you talk and you explore a few things here and there. Uh, but really, what what this what kind of drives this game is the fact that it is unrelenting in its content. It is about the church. It is about the the fall of the Roman Empire and how the church is now in control and how it's on the cusp of changing. And they even kind of talk about Martin Martin Luther and his ninety five thesis, which is about the future of the church. All this is. They got they got Socrates in this mother, man. <laughs> yeah, look, look let me let, let me let me kind of just read it real quick. I wrote this down because I'm like, this is kind of what you have to tell people to expect, and then they'll know exactly the, why they should or shouldn't play this game. One of the things you're talking to somebody, and you come up and you ask somebody, and they'll say, "Well, Peter Abelard provided the foundation of the scholastic ph philosophy and established the primacy of Aristotle's Aristotle's work." <laughs> that's like a common that isn't that isn't a plot point that is a conversation you have in passing with somebody <laughs> in this game okay <laughs> so hold on to those, those butts uh butts folks because suffice it to say this is it for everyone this just not this isn't for it is it really isn't but for whatever reason i'm finding myself pretty <clears throat> enthralled with the whole experience i I I find the writing, the way that they write things, and the way the the text bubbles come up, and how different uh, writings for different people, peasants, lords, all that, yeah. and how sometimes when you're talking to somebody who isn't very well well versed or doesn't it's illiterate, they'll write and then they'll erase a lot and yeah, there's like intentional typos, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going on, and all the way that, and then the fact the murder mystery that's that's kind of come up, and just the characters and everything in that in that story where there's no voice. Uh, there's no voice uh, acting here, but I think the way they've written them and the way that they express themselves with th those facial features that they have, I'm really like all about these people. Like I I'm into the whole kind of going to work and and and, and drawing and talking to the other elders and it, it, there's just a lot here that it's really like it's really like grasping me in a way that I did not expect. I, I went to play this game for a little while today and then ending up playing like four hours of it. Uh, so wow. it's um. I'm really into it. A little more, actually, because I have not touched God of War today. I've just been playing Mentiment. Uh-oh. Uh here uh, we so go, guys. Here we go. No, 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 no. It's, be it's because I, it, it, with my son and everything, and, and you know, I, I really, with God of War, it's more of that. It's with God of War, I like to sit down and really enjoy it by chunks. I can't 
really experience God of War by five minute increments. It's just not fun. That God way, of War is absolutely game... a game you can play in front of children. There's... No, 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 not because oh, <laughs> I'm no, just being. I'm just that. joking. It's, I'm just joking. It's just time. Time was. I can. I can do a couple <laughs> things in Pentiment and then get up and and go. You know, uh, not ignore him. No, I was ignoring. Uh, okay. Him. But um, okay. yeah, it's 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 a really weird, different game that doesn't shy away from what it is. And I know the expression the expression painterly has been used a lot when we talk about these kind of art 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 style. I was going to actually games. ask you about the art style. What you think of it? Yeah. The art style is it is looks like a Michelangelo painting or something, which is a an artist of that century. It, it, it just it's beautiful. <gasps> no, not, no, not not in that not that Michelangelo. Let me rephrase. Not that it's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's in terms of okay. like it's you. It's drawn with what looks like the tools that Michelangelo would use. Is what I mean. Okay, it, it, got it. Okay, the, the drawing style is very much. I'm connecting of that those era. dots now. I'm like, wait, hold yeah. up now. And then <laughs> and then it has like these really like pertinent kind of uh, touchstones when it comes to story plots like books that are being burned by the by the by the church because they are bad influence and women's uh place in the church and things of that sort that are very relevant today and even right now in 2022 and it's it's just really expertly written in my in my opinion i think everything about this game is is done with purpose and you see it in the art style and the writing and just everything that's going on right now uh it's it's really great. I, I I recommend this game for those who have interest in history, but also love like the point and click conversational aspect of a of a point and click adventure mm-hmm. game. If you love that, this is right up your alley. I'm not exactly a history buff, but when it comes to theolo- theological things and things about God, I grew up in the church, so I have a little understanding of this kind of stuff. So this is actually really interesting to me. Uh, now that it's actually reached the more gamified ver- part of the game, where it's like solving a mystery and solving a death now i'm gonna see whether or not i'm gonna be able to stick with this game and i'm gonna be as engaged and enthralled with it yeah. as i was at the beginning of it but i i it's 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 really obsidian is is a treasure of a studio man they're they 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 they've done the traditional yeah. western rpg then they've done then they did the um uh the uh this pentel which is grounded incredible. then and, they did yeah. grounded which is like so different what, what i what and, i tweeted is that they're the they're the insomniac of xbox to me yeah they're the swiss they army consistent. knife company that can yeah. do whatever you know um and, and i i really respect them for for just the fact they went for this is pretty dope now the way that i described it to pablo offline is i said that this is like the equivalent of a really good book that you're not interested in reading. You can appreciate yeah. what it does, but it's still not for you. And I think that's that summarizes my experience to a T. I, I see what they're going for. I really appreciate it. I value the attempt to tell a story in a very different way and to commit all the way to it, 100%. But I just yeah. think, and I don't mean to be so reductive, and I'm not saying this in a toxic way, but it's a very sleepy game. At, in certain yeah. respects too so if you're looking for something that i would well, almost I put, a, here's what i would say i would almost put i read it, a, it, a passing conversation about aristotle and that was just kind of like it's not but, even it's not even that it's like if you're in it doesn't surprise me that you like the game pablo because it reminds me in a certain light of disco elysium it's in that same yeah. vein of it is. if you want to do a lot of reading or if you want something very descriptive in like painstaking detail, this is that kind of game. And that will this will be brilliant in the eyes of those people. And to people that are a little bit that want a little bit more like 
I don't know, uh, more of a spectacle in the games like I do, this yeah. is maybe not quite doing enough. But I, I still ha- I have no... It's not a game that I dislike um, for what it is. It's just that I know it's not for me and I can't commit to it. So that's yeah, where I'm at. Yeah, um, that's a good point because I remember when the rumor of this game was was uh, out was that it was very much like um, like Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. And it really is. It, it really is. It, it, it's probably... Um, there's less people making it. Only 13 people uh, were involved in the development of this game. Yeah. So there, there is that. Uh, but there's some good stuff here. Even the music. Even the music is is done by a specific artist who is uh, specializes in that 16th century kind mm-hmm. of music uh, music stuff. So I wanted a little man, bit more game, of the music. I wanted more. It gets a little too ambient a, there, sometimes, but I, I, I yeah. did like it too. I did like it though. Did you get to the part of the game where there's a storm? No. So once you get to the part of the game where there's a storm, there's really no music, but the sound design stops sounding a little bit kind of like uh, like you're hearing it through a like through a clam or something, uh, and it and it comes up in the forefront, and so you hear the thunder and the rain like really, and it, it just it's really cool, and that's mm. when you find out that the whole there's a it's not really a secret there's a there's a death. In, yeah, it's a murder game. mystery really game. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a murder mystery game, and when that happens, with that happening, the thunder going out and and, and, the, and the windows flashing, uh, sets the mood. Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I, it's. I am, and just as you're surprised that I'm that you, I, you're not surprised that I like the game. I'm not surprised that you don't like it as much. But I almost feel like if you give it, like almost like when you went back to Disco Elysium and you loved, you liked it just a little bit more. I think if you gave it a little bit more time, once kind of like the the God of War emotional roller coaster is over mm-hmm. and done with, I think if you kind of sit down a little while longer with it, I think you'll enjoy it a little bit more. I'm not saying you're gonna finish it or you're gonna love it, but I think you'll you'll appreciate what the game is doing just a little more yeah um, you, you might not be wrong I, I, you might not be wrong because i don't that. think yeah because i think the way you're approaching the game and the way you're talking about the game it's not like this game is absolute garbage it's more like i recognize what they're doing just yeah. not my thing but i think it, it might be a little bit more you think your thing than you think it is i just don't know if it's enough for you to actually get sit there and finish it just i will say though i looked up how long to beat it is a lot longer than i thought it was Was it like 20 hours oh, no it's 15 hours which is Oh well, that's what. That's uh, a, yeah, that's actually shorter than I expected, to be honest. Um, oh, really? I because I I the way the game was kind of, I guess I realized the game was gonna be long when it took like three hours and a half to get to the murder mystery part of the game. Yeah. But when I looked at it, I'm like, oh shit, this is uh, fifteen hours, which is solid. Which yeah, is solid. I, I'm excited to see what's next for Pentiment, and I'm excited to see what's uh, what's next for Josh Sawyer. Josh Sawyer has already said that he's who's developer the developer of the game. Uh, he's not interested in making big games anymore. So mm-hmm. if like Josh Sawyer could have his team of 13 and they can crank out games like this uh, or something similar to this, that would be a really dope portfolio yeah, that's, piece for, for Obsidian. That's actually how I was going to wrap up this, this part. Um, I was going to say, yeah. even though this game didn't hit for me, I still want them to continue making games like this because yeah. I do think that this is a great portfolio building uh, type of game to add to the Xbox collection. And you know, not everything can be a Skyrim like RPG. That's just not realistic. So I, I like the fact that they spruced in like little stuff like this, even grounded, which doesn't do much for me. I still like the fact that they do that. So I want them to continue yeah. experimenting and keep keep trying to build story driven games that don't have to be a visual, you know, masterpiece. It, I, you know, right? Stuff like this is perfectly fine. Um, it's just now, this one wasn't for me. 
and I will say that to, to wrap it up, a lot of times when we talk about Game Pass, we talk about, oh, this is a game that can only exist on Game Pass, and then, but in a pejorative way, kind of like, oh, it's 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 done cheaply or whatever because it was going to be on Game Pass. It's, it's a lot of the argument a lot of people talk about when they talk about Game Pass. The funny thing is, Josh Sawyer, when he went and he wanted to make a game like this for years, he said it was going to be a lot closer to a more traditional Western RPG, and then when Game Pass and when Microsoft bought Obsidian, he specifically wanted to make this game because of Game Pass. He goes, I know it's a, it, it's a hard sell. I think the game is uh, that I want to make is special. And because of Game Pass exists, I'm, it's going to afford me the, the ability to do that. That way I can get my work out to people through Game Pass. Because he knows that if he were to release this for sale or something like that, it wouldn't really blow up no. anything. And if yeah, Obsidian is counting on 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 games to to, to sell well, this wasn't going to do it for them. And so, of course, it's it, it, it's 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 actually one of the many examples, or one of the few examples, really, if you're being honest, where a big corporation buys up a, a smaller one like Obsidian and more art comes out of it than you thought it would, which is a great example. Of that definitely, so, definitely, yeah, I I can't wait to see what's next for Obsidian. Period. Because yep. I know they're a great uh, team, but what Josh Sawyer has cooking, I'm really excited uh, for that. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now that wasn't the only game that dropped on Game Pass, Pablo. We also had a release uh, from a game that we've had our eyes on since it was first announced, and that is Somerville. Uh, so this is the game from the um, basically from people that used to be a part of the studio behind Inside and Limbo. Uh, they created their own studio called Jump Ship. Uh, Ironically enough, uh, or coincidentally enough, and uh, no, it's a it, it, there's beef there for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah, definitely. And and yeah, yeah. this was their first game uh, as part of this new studio. And by all accounts, Pablo, this had all the trappings of what I thought would be yeah, yeah. just a really, really good experience. Um, it seemed to hit a lot of you know family kind of notes, but it also had the sci-fi twist going on and a lot of that oh, mystique. Yeah. There's no voice acting in the game. It's all very um, you know, just implied storytelling, inferred storytelling, which I like. Um, but dude, this one for me has been a categorical letdown. Yep. Yeah, this one is and there's a lot of reasons why I think this this game doesn't work and i i i think the good the good part of the game was the first 10 minutes i think that was yes. really solid stuff it was a really interesting way to kick off the game kind of show what's going was, on i thought it was absolutely captivating honestly. i i agree yeah Just, I, it, it was one yeah. of my favorite moments um but i i have to say that as soon as the game puts you in control of the 2.5d uh environments Rough. and the camera starts moving around and you got to start doing your puzzle stuff. Everything just kind of unraveled for me. Um, the movement is clunky. The grabbing things and pulling things and the puzzle solving with the lights and the just a, a lot of it, it, it. I knew right away. I knew right away, like, th this is not the kind of game for me. And I was stunned yeah. because even with Inside, which was a game that I, I, I more or less liked, I didn't, I wasn't in love with that game. I think you were way more high on it than me. Oh, absolutely. One but of my favorite games of all time. Even with that, like, Inside, I, I was still compelled to keep going because it felt good to play. This game absolutely. just genuinely does not feel good to play at all for me and i was really shocked about just how clunky and janky and inconsistent it feels to do basic things in the game and so when you add that with um game mechanics that they don't kind of really tell you 
how to do. You kind of have to learn as you're going. It, it just makes for a really frustrating experience almost out of the gate. So I have to say, I really didn't put longer than probably an hour into this game before I, I, I got very fed up and thought, I don't know whether a patch can fix this. You know, maybe this, this game conceptually for me just isn't working. Um, but I was thoroughly disappointed. But I want to kick it over to you because it seems like you're not too far apart from me on this. No, I, I agree. I, I, you know, uh, again, just to kind of reiterate some of your points, opening sequence is, is, is captivating at first glance, uh, just kind of the way the game looks and, and, and with the family sleeping on the couch and you're controlling the baby. That's, that's how kind of the game starts off. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this going to, this has to be off the bat, just cause of like the, what I was feeling is like, is this going to be a step above what limbo and inside did? Cause from, from limbo to inside, there's a huge jump in what they did in terms of gameplay and storytelling, contextual storytelling. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is the next, next level that, and then the game opens and it's like, holy shit. Like I got goosebumps. I'm like, this is going to be absolutely amazing. And then it's as soon as you wake up, you know, the thing that happens and you wake up Mm -hmm. as soon as that happens. And I'm like, man, this feels horrible. Yeah. It feels janky, a lot of graphical like spatial clipping oh like, yeah i forgot like, to mention you're right you're right yeah a, a lot of that um i know that this game wants you to explore its environment before you solve the puzzle but none of it is fun it just doesn't feel good like it's it's just i think it, it all this game looks apart but it just feels like it, it's like a facade. And once that falls, and, and you and it's like, man, this game looks so beautiful. You want to keep playing it because of how beautiful it looks, but it just plays unevenly bad. I, I, honestly, it plays bad. It's uneven to what the game is trying to tell you in terms of the story, the family dynamic that they talked about and they saw. That I mean, it's in the beginning, and then it's like I want more of that, and it's just kind of like it just. There's nothing that when you look at Limbo, when you look at Inside specifically, and everything that's happening, every ten minutes in in Inside, something happens that it's like, oh shit! Like you have to really like, it's more like a platform based, right? Yeah, yeah. With this game, it's more environmental puzzle stuff, yep. and it's just lethargic yep. and like to your point about Pentiment, very sleepy. Like it just nothing about this game was exciting after the first ten minutes of the game, and it was a, a complete disappointment. I'm not surprised that the reviews are so divisive. Well, not even they're just middling. They're like in their mm-hmm. in the seventies now. Uh, yeah, and and, and uh, it's it's a uneven experience beautiful art style but that's at odds with the jankiness and performance 100 and ultimately a promising uh you know premise is completely squandered so yeah man that's unfortunate i thought this was gonna be like one of the dark horses of this year dude i was like man now, somerville can make this top 10 if it plays its cards right now marco i'm not gonna toot my own horn here but I, there's evidence on the podcast saying jump ship is way too quiet Xbox is way too quiet. Maybe this isn't the game we thought it was going to be. And I admittedly have forgotten those things myself because when this game was announced coming, I'm so excited about mm-hmm. it. But they had a whole showcase where they showed all the games and the only time they showed Summer was in a little square thing. Yeah. Oh, this is coming this year. It's like, oh shit, it's coming this year. Remember what we said and last week about we... PlayStation knowing how to pick them? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. And, and I, I, to a point, to a certain point, Xbox not promoting this too much. Maybe Xbox is re- realizing we yeah. picked wrong, you know, instead of like because uh, they they went in with Pentiment and, and for all for all the right reasons. I think yeah. Pentiment is fantastic, absolutely. Um, but I, I honestly, and just to wrap this up, 
if you gun to my head a couple days ago, if you said Somerville or Pentiment, which is going to be the better game, I would have said Somerville said as Somerville. a safe choice. Absolutely. And I would have been day. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, I'm glad you're alive. I'm glad nobody killed you. Um, yeah. But yeah, super disappointing on this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, try it if you want. I mean, it's it's there. It's it, you might as well if you have Game Pass. But I wouldn't and go into opening. It, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I downloaded for the ten minute opening, and that's pretty cool. But that you just you just light puzzles in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I don't know. About I wonder that. if somebody who never played Limbo or um, or Inside play this and are kind of like amazed by by it because I. It's hard to it's hard to play this without having those two games in mind because I, I I don't know inside man. Is special man I don't know I don't know because yeah. even though even though inside was 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 semi puzzle driven it wasn't yeah. it wasn't so gamified to me it didn't feel as right. gamified as this did like right off the bat it's like you have a light on your hand now and it flashes and it you can remove the goop yeah. <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> Why are we playing the gunk again in in twenty twenty two? Why are we doing that? Yeah, exactly, um, exactly that. Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and my move brother on. Be in this whole world, what? <laughs> Fredo beat the gunk. He's the, the only person in the whole world that's beat the gunk. Yo, Pablo's family. I don't know what's wrong with him. <laughs> He's buying weird games. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, I got a game that I want to talk about briefly here, uh, and that is uh, Call of Duty Warzone two point Um. This is the, you know, the highly anticipated Royale uh, sequel, I guess you can call it. Um, now, I think as a background kind of thing here, I, I'm not Mr. Royale. I'm, I've, I've never really been. I never will be. I've had my time where some of these games held my attention for a good amount. Apex did it for a while. Fortnite did it for a while. Even Warzone did it for a while. But I don't, uh, I'm not a mainstay when it comes to Royales. I just don't get the appeal. Having said that, I played some um, 2.0, and I have to say, you know, maybe I'm just an untrained eye um, that hasn't really gotten into the nuance and meta of, of 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 the first Warzone. But I don't notice a lot of things that are different. It almost feels like a palate cleanse in terms of like now there's not three million weapons anymore. It's back down to a really small amount. Like a really, it's a much more like intimate game in terms of you know there's not a million different choices to choose from now. Um, so it feels it feels very beginner friendly because of that, but a lot of the carryover in terms of like skill gap and things like that, I think it's still prevalent here because, you know, if you were good in Warzone One, you're good in Warzone Two. And so it's it's still even though it's it's friendly for newcomers in terms of getting a wrangle on the weapons and what you know kind of works and what doesn't, it's still really hard to compete in this game. Is so the- is the basis of the game the same? Like, for example, the gulag is that still a, a yep. thing? Yeah, it's still a thing. Um, and are there zones? They, where they're like they, zombies they do. They do. Or? And I don't know if they started doing this towards the end of one, but like they have. It's like two v two now. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. So you, yeah, yeah, you're partnered up with somebody else in the gulag, and then you kind of two v two that, and then I guess if you win, you both get to come back or something like that. Um, so really, for me. I think the map is pretty good. I would say that's a strength. I think at the end of the day, though, to me, it just feels like uh, a cross between reshuffling the same deck and wiping the slate clean. Um, So I I see this game kind of 
following a similar roadmap as the first, honestly. So if it didn't click to, with you before, I don't think it's going to click with you this time. It didn't really click for me, to be honest. I, I'm more of a traditional Call of Duty multiplayer guy. I know you are kind of the same way as me. Yeah, it's not going to sway you we, to go we, to go Royale. We we did go in for to Warzone for a little while. Yeah, so, like I said, but, we had our time. Yeah, and it was fun for what it was. But I think now it it's so sweaty too. It's yeah. it's really sweaty. So it's like it's just not fun. Like it's it's especially if you're playing with randoms. It's it's awful with randoms because if somebody dies, and God forbid they don't survive the gulag, they're they're quitting. And you can't, you're not going to be able to go get them back, and you're just going to end up losing all of your team until you're the last person left by yourself in your own squad. Yeah. So it's just, it's that same brand of not fun because randoms are not reliable kind of a thing. So yeah. I don't like the gulag thing. I think that's like, uh, I think that's, it's like gimmicky for me. I don't know. Mm. It just doesn't feel great. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's popular or not. I, I didn't really care for it either, to be honest. Yeah. I don't like when people throw rocks at my head when I'm in there. <laughs> it's not nice. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about, Pablo, in loadouts is uh, just an update on how things are feeling with both of us playing God of War Ragnarok now that we put some more hours in. Um, I think I'll go ahead and kick things off, Pablo, if that's cool with you, because I, yeah, I kind of started teetering a little bit as I progressed through the game. Now, currently, I think I'm at around 33 hours, and I... I have no idea how far I am to the end of the game, honestly, because every time I think I'm close, they, they put something in front of the big thing. And it's like, well, yeah, now you yeah, need yeah. to go do this. I have to say that after the first four or five hours, I think this game really pumped the brakes and it slowed down significantly to the point where it felt a lot like 2018's pacing. Um, and I had problems with that because I think... The middle of this game can get extremely meandering with its pace. And I feel like the dire and urgent undercurrent of what's happening narratively is contradicting the game's pacing and, and, and ebb and flow. Like the, the design of the game is encouraging yep. you to take your time, but the narrative is telling you, oh my God, everything's about to fall apart if we don't do blah, 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 blah. You know, so... It's hard to really make sense of of how the game wants me to feel in terms of urgency because it just feels like no, we got time. It, you know, we can do this before we head back to Sindri's house. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know we had time to do anything other than fight. You know, so I I think that's a real contradiction for me. How I describe the pacing, Pablo, is like it's like a slow driver with road rage. That's how it feels to me. It's like. You're not in any hurry, but you're angry about everything. You know, that's just how this game feels to me. Everyone yeah. is just going super duper slow, but everybody is just raging about something and feuding with each other. And it's like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, um, how do you feel about the pacing so far? Before I, I keep I, going. I'm, I'm 18 hours in. Okay. And I am I'm, I'm probably where you are in terms of how you felt with the pacing, because there are certain things that are happening within the story that I think are a lot, they're a little too similar to the, what happened in 2018. Um, now, yeah. as I'm playing those things, they, they end up being different in terms of the result. Uh, and that's and that's interesting. That's cool. It's like a little, it's a fake out a little bit. So I like that. But yeah, I, 
when this game was 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 being talked about and, and trailers were coming out, they made it seem like Ragnarok was imminent. Like Ragnarok was knocking on the door and ready to be here. And and the way they talk about it in the game, there's that. But everything else, the way the game treats Ragnarok in terms of its pacing, it just feels like something people say. Like when my mom growing up, my mom used to say, "Jesus is coming." Like yeah, one day, right? <laughs> one of those things. Like it's like the rapture. They keep teasing you with the rapture. <laughs> that but is it, not how your mother sounds whatsoever. <laughs> Not at but all. It, it's just weird because it's like this thing that's imminent and ready to happen, and you find out certain things about certain people in terms of what the prophecy says and, and what the everything is about to happen, and then that person, it just nobody's acting like Ragnarok is coming. Dude, it's it's not God of War Ragnarok. It's like God of War snowy afternoon. You know, yeah, it just yeah. feels like it's just a nobody's typical day in the life like, of Fimble Winter. Like you know, end of the world is 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 coming, and it's just so. Weird, because everybody's just taking their time with everything. Yeah, dude. Like I, I'm in a part right now with with uh, with Atreus and 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 somebody else, and it's like there should be a sense of urgency here, and there isn't. No. So I'm a little bit in a weird spot with the game right now, where I feel like I think the story, in terms of like when you look at the story and 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 everything about it, I think that's still excellent and, and really great. I think that the the emotionality behind the voice acting last week, I oh said Christopher God. Judge felt a little bit like he was out of place. That's uh, that's completely gone now. Like yeah. the, he, man, he, what he's doing here with Kratos is next level. Um, and then everybody else really coming into play. Freya, uh, even Atreus, the voice actor Atreus, greatly improved. Uh, yeah, and Thor, like holy shit, like it, it is, it is, it is. It is next level the way that these characters are being portrayed, acted. It's just in order for you to get from uh, the plot point A to B to C to D, there's all the shit in between that fe- feels like, 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 like fluff. Like th- there are things where I'm out and I'm doing a, a side quest for Freya, which is absolutely great, by the way, mm-hmm. great side mission. But then in between that, I'm trying to help out this dead person clear out poisonous things i'm like why 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 this and i want to say here very clearly on record i I know what you're gonna say i reject the notion that the side quests of uh, of god of war ragnarok are better or equal to witcher 3 you guys are absolute asinine to say that let me tell you something right now bro i'm glad that the witcher 3 is getting re-released in a couple weeks because people need a reminder people need to be reminded of what's really a great side quest there's, there are side quests in Witcher 3 that completely change the way you look at the game, completely change the way people treat you in certain regions and continents, yep. your love story between Yennefer and, 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 and Trish, Trish, all that stuff changes. Team Trish, Team Trish. Yeah, but all by side missions. Like, there's a whole thing with, and, and spoiler alert, a little bit for Witcher 3, there's a whole thing here that you are attached to Yennefer through a genie or, or a djinn uh, oh, gin, spell. Yeah, yeah. And oh, man, that's that a thing. So that's why good. Yennefer and, 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 and uh, uh, Geralt are always attached. It's oh, because man. they love each other, but also there's magic there. Yeah, I remember that mission, dude. That, that was side special. Mission where you can break oh, that promise. And so it is good. absolutely amazing. And it's a side mission. And I also don't think that the side missions are as good as the later side missions of Cyberpunk 2077. Not at all. Like I, I think, yeah. I think what's happening here is they're that good. The side missions, they're good, but they're and not significant. Yeah, and significant to certain characters, but 
and that's different from 2018. That is that is a lot. That is a huge improvement over 2018. But people got too hyped. They got a little too too uh, mm-hmm. too into it here, and they mm-hmm. said some blasphemous stuff. And I want them to take it back. I want you to take it back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Pablo's crying out of one eye, just one eye. Um, I want to talk about because you 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 hit something with with the characters, and I want to go back to that because I do have a critique. Um, there is a distinct over humanization of gods in this game. Yeah. yeah. I have a real concern about that because and I I'm, I'm not going to pretend like God of War 2018 didn't do the same thing. Yeah. But I think this game pushes it a little bit too far. Like there's there are some things that happen where, you know, one character is tagging along with a pretty important character in the game and they're doing their thing and doing their, you know, their their godly day kind of a thing. And it just, it hit me. It was like, this is supposed to be like powerful because it's supposed to make this this character feel more grounded and feel more relatable, feel more human, to evoke some type of connection out of, you know, me on a human level. But what it was really starting to do for me, Pablo, was it was, it was making a lot of these, these characters feel toothless to me. It was taking yeah. some of the... Now, I'm not expecting like old school God of War, you know, larger than life. It, it, and I'm not saying this to trigger you, but it reminds me of like what Christopher Nolan did to Batman, where he, yeah. he stripped away a lot of the comic-y stuff to make, it, to make this world more like plausible, you know? And he kind of grounds these characters and makes them more gritty and relatable. And, you know, I, I can see someone doing something like that in New York, you know, in our, our New York City. Um it's not quite to that level, but it feels very much in that ballpark. But it's yeah. it's oversteering to a point where you've got to let gods be gods sometimes, because otherwise you're just making everybody seem like they just they're just kind of frail, you know, yeah. and they they don't have the balls to be the gods that they are, and it just yeah. it subverts. I get what it's doing. It's subverting. Yeah expectations of what you'd expect a god to be and it turns roars into whimpers so to speak but i think it does that too much to the point where yeah. it's like i'm not even really intimidated by you anymore you know what it's i mean it's trying to give you the 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 other side of the story of the the god aspect because like you said in the original god of war games zeus poseidon all these guys you really didn't see much of them until kratos was there to whoop the shit out of them yeah. um and i love and I, and I do love to a certain extent that they're humanizing these gods and showing that they also have their own problems i like that just fine my problem with that is that they're going a little too far in terms of the characterization i cannot stand and i won't say why but i cannot stand odin's characterization i think the voice actor is doing a phenomenal job i think he's doing great i yep. think his characterization for me is horrible it's so <laughs> out of place to everything and i'm kind of like thinking like ah I don't know where to go from it because this is supposed to be Odin, right? The All Father, and it's just coming out as a, 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 the ca- characterization is coming out of something else. All yeah. the other characters, even with Thor, he's still menacing to me, you know. And other char- and other uh, bosses are assholes and shit. Like, there's still a, a little bit of the of the thing that makes them hateable in these in these things. Sure, these characters. Yeah. But Odin is just so he's in a different game. It's like when you see. A, 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 an actor in a movie it's like oh he's acting in a different movie that's how I feel like Odin is being characterized but other than that story's and, and, still and, great though story's still and, great and it, 
and it's still quality. Like the the voice acting Absolutely. is still quality. Everything's there. So I'll see how it finishes up. I, I Dude, listen. The, I, the, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to rock the boat here with with our end of year stuff. But it's hard press. This game's going to be top three, top five for sure. Yeah, for sure. Don't don't. don't yeah, we're, we're very nitpicky about this game because there's so many things that are great about it. Like yeah, some of the stuff towards where I'm at now. I mean, got me in the fit, bruh. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah. certain scenes that folded me up, folded <laughs> like a lawn chair, baby. Like a lawn chair. Yes, sir. Um, and it 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 got like man, I'm like, oh, I'm about to cry. <laughs> so that moment of because I don't really do that. I don't really do yeah, that. The yeah, only time yeah, I ever yeah. got like a little teary eyed was when Final Fantasy VII remake was revealed, and I'm like, yes, right, oh, my childhood. You know now, but this, especially as a parent, oh, you you're gonna be. You're gonna be wailing, bro. You're gonna be wailing. Oh yeah, I I already feel it. There's certain t- t- moments in this game Ooh. already where I'm kind of like, huh, what's going on? Why is, why is the screen so blurry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's what the resolution? <laughs> uh, but still, shit. still, still a very good game. But you know, like like me and Pablo said, not not perfect. We're not gonna go that far. And and you know, and this is how we are on the show. Like we're not gonna sit here and just shower praise over these games and and you know kind of cast a blind eye to their shortcomings you know we're, we're not we're not trying to just be contrarians here we we love this game but it it's not perfect and we we're, it's okay also, to say think, it and we're not here i'm not like praising us or anything but I, I think we do something a little different from other shows where most of the shows come to you and talk about a game as a full complete thought from beginning to middle to end they mm-hmm. they already have encapsulated the game and when they talk about it, because the game is so good that they're only going to talk to you about the good stuff because of how good of a game it is, the quality of the game. But we are doing, we do a little different. We don't have access to the games as early as other people. So we are giving you a play-by-play That's right. of, of what's happening. You know, how, how it started, how it's in the middle, and how it ends. And I, I think that's good because that gives perspective to the game. And I also... I'm sorry, it came out of nowhere. Uh, puts the <laughs> also, game we in, hack in, loogies on the microphone while we do. <laughs> it just puts the game in, in, a, in a much uh, more realistic perspective, where these games are not no perfect. Doubt. A lot of things that happen with it that kind of will will shake your your faith a little bit. In is this game as good as I think it is? And then it, it ultimately turns out to be the case. But yeah, for yeah. sure, man. I I cannot wait to finish this game. It's it's all I'm gonna play. This and Pentiment is is literally it for me for a while. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame you, but also, a plague tale's calling you, bro. A oh plague yeah, tale's yeah. No, calling for sure. you. I can't. It yeah. wants no, no. you. That's wants gonna... you in bed. Ooh, <laughs> Amisa. <laughs> oh, that in that context. <laughs> no. no, I mean he's like knocking the door, like Amisa. <laughs> I'm too much noise. All right, we got to get out of here with this segment, Are bro. The rats in there? <laughs> All right, all right, all right. No, uh, we're gonna move on. Shaking, <laughs> All right, we're gonna get to the new segment of the show that we call Hit Points. Let's do it. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. <laughs> you literally ruined. You ruined the play tale for everybody. I want you to know <laughs> that now. Anytime they play this game and hear. Hugo call out to his sister. They're going to think of you in, in the worst <laughs> context ever. Thanks a lot. Um, let's try to sa- salvage this show by getting into the news stories this week. We have two. 
that we'll talk about this week. Uh, first one is uh, regarding Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which is out in the wild as of this recording. Uh, but we're here to talk specifically about the review scores this game got, because it's currently, as of this recording, sitting at a 76% on Open Critic, my boy. Um, yeah. It's uh, it, it's a head scratcher indeed. According to reviewers, it's a great game uh, that is apparently hamstrung by bewildering and constant performance issues and graphical uh, glitches, uh, which has left many people wondering what went wrong. Uh, I don't know how I just got that word out. What went wrong? There we go. You said what went wrong. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like when I, whenever I try to say Rus- Russell Westbrook, I, I want to go what Russell Westbrook because I... <laughs> I don't know. I have like a suppressed speech impediment. I bet you that's how you signed when you were seven years old. <laughs> What's that? I bet you that's how you signed when you were like five or six. Mommy, I want to die. That's how you think I sounded? No, I, like, I don't oh, think I had a speech impediment. You probably did. No, I didn't. I just cried a lot. Um, let's not get into my childhood trauma. Um, so let's get back to Pokemon. Um, I guess, you know, considering like the success critically of, of Arceus earlier this year, this is quite a drop-off, um, yeah. you know, to say the very least. So from where we sit, Pablo, starting with you, kind of walk me through your take on these issues and tell me who's more to blame here. Is this uh, the Switch hardware's fault or is this Game Freak's fault? It's funny. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine today about this because he was agreeing with me and that I told him, and I told Marco this as well, that I'm a little bit scared now about Tears of the Kingdom, but... He told me, and this was a friend of the show, uh, Jan, he he told me, you know what, though? I am not so afraid for Tears of the Kingdom because of who's developing the game. And I agree. I, I think Nintendo proper making Tears of the Kingdom and, and the magic of the Switch hardware and how they can make that work, I, I'm, a, I'm not as scared as I was earlier today. But the reason I bring that up is because when you look at Platinum, and now you look at Game Freak. I think it's just a uh, it's Game Freak's it's Game Freak's issue. I think that they either mm. release the game way too early, trying to, to to catch something. I don't know what that could be, or that they just it got away from them. They couldn't optimize the game specifically for this uh, hardware, kind of like how uh, Bayonetta three did. Uh, so it's it's super weird, man. I I I, I think. You know, I think that the Switch hardware is to blame to a certain point, but there's so many games that are coming out. Sparks of, of Hope looks great. Xenoblade great. Chronicles 3 is just as, is bigger in scope. Yeah, and that, that that's not a game that I have any complaints about when it comes to performance yeah. or any kind of graphical glitches. So, you know, I think the Switch hardware is on its way out. Sure, fine. We can talk about that all day. That's obvious. That's, that's you can... That's on paper. You can see that. But there's still many games being made of quality on that hardware. And for this game to come out like this, and then also have the game just come out this year in Legends, not suffer from these same issues, or at least not as bad. Is there something... It's just... It's obvious to me. They they went too early on this. They they, they released too early. There's something. 100%. Maybe they had to release it. Uh between a, a kind of uh, time frame for kind of profits or whatever the case may be. But mm-hmm. um, whatever it is, I, I, it's greatly disappointing because I was I was pretty you know excited about the possibility of Scarlet and Violet. And for all intents and purposes, everything the game is doing is what I want from a next generation or at least you know taking that step for a next generation Pokemon game. But it's hampered by glitches and, and things of that sort. Like, you know, we talked about the reviews about the game. Um 
Some people saying that the game docked is almost unplayable, yet still giving it a four out of five. Like it, it doesn't help either that there are people out there kind of enabling this behavior. Yeah, by, they're hand waving all these issues off like it's not even a problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah, I'm still baffled by Bayonetta 3's lack of mention of how terrible that game looks oh, plays man. At, at, at times. That that game was straight up cataracts. That yeah. that game was all cataracts and my both my eyeball redness. You understand yeah, me? It looked like it vas- Vaseline filters all over that motherfucker for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, man, how about you? What? How, how? Who do you think is to blame here? I give this to Game Freak almost a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, it 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 would be one thing if this was an outlier, and we could say, oh, well, you know, they've always been able to bring out the best in whatever hardware they've had to work with. They have had a track record of. Cutting corners, um, reusing assets, animations, textures from literally the handheld games that they're still bringing into current games. Like they have a track record of kind of phoning in the, you know, the technical side of things and obviously dragging their feet for many years when it came to advancing the Pokemon formula forward. So this is to me very much. A game freak problem you know i i mentioned it kind of as a you know interjection when you were talking but it's not like other games are are you know running at three frames per second you know xenoblade chronicles 3 like i mentioned earlier that game is huge that game is doing a lot (laughs) like it is it is a busy game and does it look the greatest no it doesn't but you don't have these like very polarizing issues where the game is like it's having pop in three feet in front of your character like it's not doing anything like that so this to me is a matter of game freak just not committing themselves whether it's their engine or whatever the case is to to really try their best to, to create a game that is is best suited for what the switch can and cannot do um, having said that, I'm still lo- like loosely interested in the game, but I'm I'm yeah. just hoping that, and it, it's it's very unlikely knowing Game Freak's track record, but I hope they can patch some of these glaring issues away, um, because everything about the game on paper sounds exactly like what I was hoping it would be. It's just that you got to look at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, and when you look at it, it's like, oof, this is. Like even Arceus was rough, but it wasn't rough enough to the point where it was unplayable. Like I could see past certain, you know, certain shortcomings and say, okay, even despite that, I see what it's doing and I can still appreciate it. This, even just watching videos online, it's like, oh man, I don't think I can deal with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the equivalent of you watching a movie and it's really good, but there's like a smudge on the camera. (laughs) <laughs> and then you walk out of it and reviews are like A plus it's like what you can't even see the damn you can't see the movie it's a big hair so like, it's like yeah it's like you can't see the movie that's like by design like by or, or lack of design or lack of like uh, cleaning it up like so yeah I don't know what Game Freak's uh, track record is on improving or doing updates to the game significant performance updates um, but I I hope that if that's the only thing holding this game back, that they go in there and they and they make those fixes really early on. Because yeah, I mean, it would be one thing for like January. Hey, you patch, game is fixed. All right, cool. Then it'd be like 
November 2023. All right, now the game is ready, baby. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I do think yeah. the game came out too soon, though. Like, it, it's been Pokemon Overload. Like, we had Arceus. We had the um, the remake of, of uh, I think it was Diamond and Pearl remakes. Like, yeah. and then we have this. Like, it's too much. Like, there was no reason for this game well, to have to come out this year. I think it's because I, I I think the reason why it's because they have to contend with Fire Emblem next year, with uh, Zelda next year, a potential Mario game next year, Pinkman, like these kind of stalwarts in in the Nintendo uh, annals of like video game pillars, uh, and now adding a, an additional Pokemon game to compete with. Zelda and all that. I think that they're kind of more like, how about we just release it now because it's gonna sell up the ass anyway and fix it later. But ah, man, I don't know. My favorite kind of model: release it and fix it later. Pardon our dust, but give us your money. I love it. Video games, it's my That's favorite. Video games. <laughs> video games. Yeah. Um, Pop, let's go ahead and move on. Let's move on to the next item on our hit points, and I'll kick it over to you to kick that off. What do you got? Oh, nominations for the Game Awards have been revealed, Marco, and the gaming community has been abuzz. I guess that's a nice way of saying they've been shitty uh, about what game made the cut. Uh, So what's our take on the nominations? Are there any snubs, surprises, or head scratchers that that stand out? What do you want to do, Marco? Do you want me to kind of go through through these quickly? Uh, yeah, let's let's run through these and let's let's talk through them and see if anything anything hits us. Let's let's talk yeah, about so, all the esports first. <laughs> so I'll start I'll start from the bottom up and we'll definitely skip the ones that we're not even gonna talk no. about here. Um, let's okay. start here with best esports event. I'm not even gonna read that one. Best no, no, esports let's coach, get, let's not gonna read that one. Yeah. yeah, I'm not reading any of these. Let's start with uh, you want to go with innovation and accessibility. You want to? I that? do. I actually do. Yeah, I I do too. I, I think this is a great category. I think that um, these choices, uh, particularly with As Dusk Falls, let's just, God let's of go War, Last of Us is so, good. Innovation Accessibility, As Dusk Falls, God of War, Return to Monkey Island, The Last of Us Part 1, and The Query uh, are innovation accessibilities. Yeah. I, I love yeah. these. I think these are great choices, actually. I have no complaints at all. I love the fact this category exists. I think it's an important one, and I think these games really did a great job. So no, no yeah, complaints yeah. for me. All right, uh, best uh, adaptation, uh, mm-hmm. basically from video game to screen. It's Arcane Legend of Legends. Uh, oh, League, League of Legends. Legends, sorry. Cyberpunk Edge Runners, mm-hmm. uh, The Cuphead Show, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted. Um, yeah, these are all great choices. Uh, yeah, I think this is. I, th- I think this is a two a two uh, two man race, so to speak. Yeah, I. I actually think it's. A, I actually think Arcane is, is going to run away with it. It's just. I don't know. But well, yeah, the boy. reason for it, it's just. I, I like Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I think it's really dope. I just think that Arcane doesn't have the baggage of being anime, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think that's kind of what's what's happening here. And, and Arcane, personally, I like Arcane better uh, than than uh, Cyberpunk. I think. Even not even as a League of Legends fan at all, I like the story of Arcane in the art style. It looks really like next level um do you want to pick a winner there i think that uh it's gonna be for me a toss-up between sonic and cyberpunk but i think cyberpunk's got the momentum right now i give it okay okay. yeah i I go arcane there i think arcane's gonna do it for us um content creator of the year Um, i don't have much to say here but vote for nebelian yeah nebelian is is this the only choice here yeah Uh, 
uh, most anticipated. Uh, this is kind of a game that we would have to vote for ourselves. Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4, Starfield, and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I think that the clear winner is going to be Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, but I wouldn't count out Final Fantasy 16 out of this at all. Or, I'm surprised, or, or I'm surprised Hogwarts is here. I mean, I, I honestly, I'm going to be very real with you. Uh, I everybody that I know that is a whether big Harry Potter fan or just kind of a kind of a, a, a Harry Potter fan, including myself, mm-hmm. pretty excited for Hogwarts Legacy. Everything they've shown, they're they're, they're and I, and if I'm not mistaken, even you, you who have no affiliation or any kind mm-hmm. of context as, as to Harry Potter, are kind of impressed with what Hogwarts uh, a Legacy no, is showing it. at the very least. You no, know, like, it wasn't too bad. wasn't too bad. I'm still yeah, surprised to I, see it on here, though. I can't lie. Yeah, I don't think in any way, shape, or form it, it can contend with any of these. Uh, but I think that the surefire, if you were going to put some money, it would be it would be between Final Fantasy and Legend of Zelda and Resident Evil Four. Honestly, come on, mm-hmm. you know, those are those are the, the games there. Uh, best multiplayer. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Multiverses, Overwatch 2, Splatoon 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. Um, solid list here. Uh, Splatoon 3, Overwatch Is it 2, Call of Is it though? I, I, mean, I mean, in terms of what the offerings are, I, I yeah, think Call of Duty Modern thing. Warfare is great. I think Overwatch 2, is, I, I, I still love it. And Splatoon 3, I think those are those are, uh, those are the top three for me. I... I'm gonna pick here. I'm gonna say Overwatch two wins it just on the name, though. I would love to see Splatoon three win it here. Uh, I think honestly. Splatoon might take this thing. I might, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm taking my bias out of it. I just think that Splatoon is is the more yeah. people resent Call of Duty, whether they should or shouldn't. They do. Uh, they do. Multiverses is god awful. Overwatch it, two has been controversial. Too. Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles. I think it might be either TMNT or Splatoon Three. Is my my two yeah, I predictions. Yeah, TMNT being here is kind of weird though because it's not really. I mean, you can it's play co-op it game. PVE, yeah. but yeah, 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 I, yeah. I would say between Splatoon Three and Overwatch Two, I just think that the name Overwatch is just so powerful, regardless of, of the of the stuff behind it. Though I I would not be mad if Splatoon Three won it here. I for sure. Uh, best sport racing uh, F one twenty. I'm not even gonna read this one. Uh, we're gonna Don't go care. ahead and move on from here. Yeah. Best sim strategy. Um, I'm just gonna read it here because of one game: Dune, Spice Wars, Mario Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, Total War Warhammer, Two Point Campus, and Victoria Three. I'm talking about Mario Plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. I hope it wins in this category because it's the only category in hell that it has <laughs> a chance to actually win it. Uh, best family. I need. Jeff Keighley to, to kind of define this. What does best family game mean? I don't even understand that. Kirby and the Forgotten Lands. Uh, my family's not going to sit here and watch me play these uh, games. Like, it's just a weird... Any game uh, with a, a mouthful mode is probably not good for the kids, bro. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, Nintendo, <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Switch Sports is like the quintessential family game here, but uh, uh, it's Kirby, Forgotten Lands, Lego Star Wars, Mario Rabbids, Nintendo Switch, uh, Nintendo Switch Sports, and Splatoon 3. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. Kirby shouldn't be here at all, bro. Kirby, Kirby is a uh, is to me. Kirby is a game that I think people try to wedge in these these end of year conversations, but it it shouldn't be anywhere. To be completely honest, like I think this this game is it, or this series, and I've I've talked about it in you know over the course of this this show's history of like you know Kirby's just not it for me, and I just think that trying to throw this this in here just because Kirby's cute like if if that's the logic then I just don't think there's any there's there's any reason to keep it here Lego Star Wars I think that it, to me it's kind of a throwaway pick because this game apparently wasn't all that great 
I think honestly, Switch Sports I mean, or Splatoon might might take this, or or Mario Rabbits might take this. Yeah, I just it's a weird category, and I and I hate that they would do stuff where it's like, oh, we're just giving it to them in order for them to, um, in order for them to to have a moment, you know, even if just by nominated here, uh, it's a weird category, uh, but yeah, I would agree here. I think that. Nintendo Switch Sports is is a clear winner there, just because of it, it kind of embodies the essence of what that's supposed to be. Yeah, you uh, best think, fighting. Yeah. yeah, best fighting. Uh, DNF uh, Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, The King of Fighters, Multiverses, and Sifu. Sifu is a fucking wild choice here. It's not. It's it, bizarre. It, it's a game that has fighting, but it's not a fighting game. I think that. Um, I think Sifu's gonna win it here. Uh, which is weird, but I think this is one of those moments where they kind of are giving the award to a game because it probably is not going to win it anywhere else. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, I think Sifu wins it here. Also, all these fighting games, besides King of Fighters, I really didn't hear a lot of great stuff about it. Multiverses had its moment in the sun for about five minutes and then it just fell off. Yeah, yeah I, I, yeah. I think Sifu's probably going to take this too, even though it'd be a yeah. weird weird choice but it was just kind of a down year for fighting games i guess so Period. it yeah, is what it, it is really was. yeah best role playing we get into the more interesting categories here elden ring uh live alive pokemon legends arceus triangle strategy xenoblade chronicles 3 mm. i think xenoblade chronicles 3 wins it here um i think it is the truest to the rpgs of them and i think this is the only award it's going to win and i think it deserves it uh i think elden ring is fantastic and probably will win the big award but i when you look at a role-playing a more traditional role-playing game i think you'd be hard-pressed to find anything better than as you know Blade chronicles 3 though some will argue live alive and those people are stupid mm. yeah the live the live alive mob is a little weird to me i don't i don't i don't yeah. get where they're coming i mean i it is it, it qualifies, and some people like it. I won't go as far as to say they're stupid, but I think it is. Uh, it is. It is not a front runner for this pick whatsoever. I. I would also agree. I think it's between Zeno and Elden Ring, and I think the Xenoblade community is going to be lobbying hard for as it should, as it should. a victory here. And I think as this is going to be, be where voting they do for it. it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be voting for it for sure. Best action slash adventure: A Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, Cries of Forbidden West, Stray, and Tunic. This is this is a stacked category. Um, I think God of War Ragnarok is gonna win it here. Uh, I think it is the essence of an action adventure game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think because of my pick for best uh, for the game of the year, that this will win that category. So I'm saying God of War Ragnarok. I think Horizon is more of a contender than I think we want it to to be. Sure. I think there is a real shot that it could win this category. Um, people love some Horizon, man, and and we've been very adamant many times on the show. We're not going to rehash why we don't like Horizon Forbidden West, but we just it's not for us. But I think there's a real shot that this could come down to God of War versus Horizon. And I think I think it's a toss-up. If I had to choose, personally, I'd say God of War should win. But I think Horizon might actually creep up and steal this one. If, Would if, it be uh, surprised if Horizon Forbidden West won this at all? Yeah. I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn came out. Did it, not, did it win Game of the Year or... I think it might have won. I don't remember. I don't remember. But uh, it was it was a, a game that people loved, and people do love Forbidden West. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not a terrible game by any stretch of the imagination, and I think it does deserve. Uh, all jokes aside, I think it deserves some flowers uh, throughout. Just here. one, I, though, I think, just one. Yeah, like pick some one. weeds for it or something like that. That's all <laughs> yeah. you gotta do. Best action, Bayonetta three. Okay, uh, best act, best action, guys. I guess they missed the memo. But made another three: Call of Duty, Modern Warfare Two, <laughs> Neon White, Sifu, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what a weird uh, category. Revenge. I'm gonna go Sifu. I think Sifu wins this one as well. Uh, there is an upswell 
and then, again, I, I'm saying that these are games that I that I think will win, not that I want to win. I think there's a huge upswell recently about Sifu and and everything that Sifu has that has done. I think Sifu is a fantastic game. I I honestly do think that. And the new and the new uh, mode, the new easy mode, is I think it's not easy to where it's like makes the game uninteresting. I think it's actually a really cool addition to it. Uh, but I think that this is going to be where it wins. I, I think Sifu comes out of this uh, this show with two awards. Um, mm, I think people like Bayonetta three <clears throat> way too I, yeah. much. I, you know what? You say that, but then when I go back <laughs> and I look through through Twitter and social media, there's more people who are complaining about Bayonetta three that they were before, especially about the Bayonetta three ending. People uh, apparently are livid with that ending. So maybe that conversation within people who <clears throat> pick this, the people who vote, uh, and pe- and then the people who are going to get ten percent of that vote probably are, are going to have that 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 um that taste in their mouth that bad taste in their mouth and maybe Sifu shows up there and wins it though I personally I think Neon White should win it that's how I feel personal uh, pick yeah yeah I would yeah. agree yeah <laughs> uh, best VR AR I'm gonna skip that one guys yeah, skip sorry that uh, mobile can go best too mobile, honestly uh, I, I'm gonna the only I think it's I a, I think it's a given it, it's a yeah given. it's Marvel Snap uh, yeah yeah, it's, it's Marvel Snap. Uh, yeah. Though Diablo Immortal did come out this year, I think that's its number one competition. But Marvel Snap, it has changed my entire outlook on some mobile games, especially card games. Uh, it's kind of a special game, I think. It's, uh, but you know, it's a mobile game, so let's not overthink it. Uh, best community sport. I'm gonna go ahead and skip support. That. Oh, sorry, support. <laughs> uh, sorry. I, I vote for basketball. Means. I like basketball. I, I like. I, I like. I like handball. I think handball is interesting. <laughs> No, <laughs> best ball. community support. I'm gonna go ahead and skip that one, guys. Yeah, uh, just because we don't have a lot in that. Yeah, yeah. best debut indie: Neon White, Norco, Stray, Tunic, Vampire Survivors. I, this is a super stacked uh, um, uh, category. I didn't mention it in in the in the loadouts, but I've been playing some Vampire Survivor. <laughs> Oh my god. I told you. I told amazing. you. It is so simple and so addictive and so amazing. That's what a game, guys. But honestly, I think if I'm being honest with myself and kind of taking my bias out of it, this is a two-way category and that's Stray and Neon White. Um I do think Stray has the juice here just Stray based on, Day. Let's yeah, go. Just, this just is my dark horse for the whole year, bro. I'm so yeah. happy to see it in multiple places. We'll get to that. And the, because it is in multiple places, like Neon White, I, I, the fact that it's in the big place, I think Stray it, it takes it. And I think Stray probably takes it everywhere else that's not over game of the year, but we'll see here. We'll get to that right now. Best indie, Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, Tunic. Again, it's probably Run Stray. It back. But it could be Sifu. Uh, I again that upswell Sifu is is there, but I I'm a little nervous about Cult of the Lamb. I'm I'm yeah, a little nervous yeah, yeah. about that one. It's a good game, good game. That's a good I don't, game. It's not for me, but right. I, people swore high and low that game was amazing. So I, there me, might be me, there might be some. Let people me say here. this about this category: Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray are all bangers. Uh, Tunic, not a fan of Tunic. Stray, I didn't play too much of Stray, but enough to know that it is a game of quality. Sifu, Neon White, Cult of the Lamb, I played a, a bit of that. Uh, you know a lot of that and i think those games are bangers and it's a low-key really dope ass year for indie games honestly yeah um, for sure best on 
yeah, best ongoing game, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, Genshin Impact, Genshin Impact. It's a diff- it's a weird one. I, I don't gonna, care about yeah, this I, one. I think it's Final Fantasy. It's always Final Fantasy. Though yeah. Fortnite should probably win every year because, I mean, that game, no, but that game always talked. Everybody's always talking about Fortnite, regardless of whether you hate it or love it. It should be probably Fortnite, but I don't give a damn. Now, okay. this is another category that I'm kind of like, I don't get it uh games for impact and the reason i don't get it, i understand the 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 thought process behind it but then the games that they've uh put under here and memoir blue as does fall citizen sleeper endling hindsight i was a teenage exo colonist <laughs> i'm not familiar with those games <laughs> though i'm not sure to me. i'm not so sure what as does falls brings to the impact of like social issues too much so unless you know I mean, I know there's some things about divorce and some things about yeah. Uh, I mean, there's like the and, and, like the broken fam- the broken home thing. I yeah, think that yeah, you I can guess. tap into that. I think that that's I honestly guess. the only game I can see working here. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently, Citizen Sleeper, which is a game. I don't know if you're going to try that game or if you. I already tried, tried it. it. It's, it's not on for Game me. Pass. Not for you. Yeah. Uh, people keep saying it's a lot like um like Disco Elysium, and I guess I'm a, Dis- a Disco Elysium fan, so I might try that uh, if I have any time here. But yeah, uh, moving on quickly here. Best performance: Ashley Birch for her Whispers in Horizon Forbidden West. <laughs> uh, Char- uh, Charlotte McBurney for a Plague Tale Requiem. Christopher Judge for God of War Ragnarok. Man Engaged for Immortality, and Sunny Stoljic for God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. I think it's Christopher Judge here. Um, I don't. I think yeah. this is where people man in, man immortality is yeah. taking this one. Yeah, she I, she I, smoked that. I, I people don't like that game. People love it. People think it's one of the best of the year. I actually came around in that game a lot. Her acting was really here, good. Here's my thing. Um, her act. It's a little bit of a cheat because it's a. Uh, well, it's live it's, action. Yeah, it's live action. So. You know, I guess the I spirit of the award, people would be like, yeah, but you know, but I think if you're giving it for performance, I think uh, for the little I've seen from, from Man Engage and Immortality, I think that's, I mean, there's really no other choice, but I think because of the quote unquote spirit of the award, I think Christopher Judge wins it here. Uh, but because he, here's the thing, he didn't win it in 2018. Uh, the guy who did Arthur Morgan won it. And so, you know, he got to get something for this part, man. And I think this could be it. But mm. I, I, I'm going to say Christopher Judge, though, I, I, I do agree with your with your kind of notion in terms of getting a man engaged with this based on her performance in Immortality. Um, best audio design, uh, Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, God of War, Grand Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West. Card games usually do well here. But, man, the, the music of God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring in terms of the ambiance is so mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, I'm going to say Elden Ring wins it here. Um, just based on some of the moments in that, those games, like when you reach that one village, the Albor, Alborachi village where it's, or where it's all grayish looking and those sounds are coming through and, and, and all these, uh, these moments in the game with, with certain music, with certain boss fights. I think that audio design is is absolutely astonishing. And I think Elden Ring is one of those games that's going to win multiple awards. And I think uh, it starts here with our best audio design. Yeah, I disagree. I think this is going to probably go to either God of War or Horizon. I think Horizon yeah. has the best chance of doing it. I think they had a lot of work cut out for them with um, you know, a lot of the ambient sounds and 3D audio usage was great in Horizon, arguably better than God of War's 3D audio. I think all the... Right. The um, metallic animal sounds and stuff like that was really, really good. Um, I think 
honestly, if I had to pick, I think Horizon will probably take this one, even though it's not my favorite, you know, yeah. audio design. I think it's probably the best pound for pound. I think it'll take it, but yeah, not that's surprised just me. by any of those. Yeah, not surprised by any of those, honestly. Uh, best score and music. Mm. Oliver uh, the Dergaveri I just said that because it's a uh, French game uh, the played Tale Requiem the uh, <laughs> Riviere yeah uh, uh, Suscasa Sayota for Elden Ring Bear McCree for God of War Ragnarok Two Feathers for Metal Hellsinger and Yasunori uh, Mitsuda uh, mm-hmm. I think Yasunori buddy I think Xenoblade Chronicles takes this I, 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 I think there's a lot of moments in that game where the music of that I mean, chapter two ending and that music coming into play, it goes crazy. Oh, huh? uh, though, <laughs> listen, though, again, I don't the know, Elden man. Ring, I, the Elden I, Ring again. I think God of War this. has this one. I'm I think say God Elden of War Ring. has this one. I'm it's so orchestral yeah. and it's, it is, it is that award winning soundtrack template to the T. I think it's got this one in, in, in the books. And it's, personally. and it's Bear McCreary. I mean, that guy is a legend yeah. when it comes to, to best score. But I, I'm going to say Elden Ring for the simple reason that. People are gonna wanna give Elden Ring a lot of flowers, and I think that they're gonna give him in these little categories a lot, like um, last year with uh, was it last year or the year before with um, uh, The Last of Us Part Two, where it won a lot of categories where we didn't really see it winning, just because it, it, it got a lot of flowers in that sense. Best art direction: Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn, Stray. I'm glad Scorn's here because that's all that game is. It's like best art direction, the game. Uh, I'm going to say Elden Ring from the yeah, boss. Same, uh, same. Elden Ring. Boss got design. This one. They got that in the bag for sure. Breathtaking, breathtaking art yeah. style. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. This is this is interesting here. Here uh, we go. Con- <laughs> best narrative A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and Immortality. Marco, I want to say something here. I think Elden Ring being on here sucks. It's a farce. People are. And people are going to go out here and be like, Elden Ring has a story. Where well, nobody's arguing that. Of course it has a story. And I, and, I, and I know the story, and I and I understand what From Software is doing with their story and how they tell their story. And I understand how that helps with the exploration and, and the discoverability of the game. I get all that. I just don't like it. And I think that it's perfectly okay to say, you don't like it. And I think anybody who would prefer the way of Elden Ring telling their story over a Plague Tale or God of War or even Horizon Forbidden West, or even Immortality, I think that they're just being a little bit, uh, I don't know, like little, being a little thinking they're better than thinking that they're better than everybody else because the one thing mm-hmm. they hit you with, it's just you don't get it. No, I get exactly what Elden Ring is about. I get it. I, 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 I understand the lore. I just don't think it's very good. I don't think the narrative is very good. Even if the narrative was told in a more traditional way, I still don't think it's very good. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of where I'm coming from when it comes to Elden Ring specifically. And I think that Plague Tale, God of War, and Horizon Forbidden West just have a much better story that they're telling, much more interesting story. And it is... And it is... Uh, their league's better than, than what Elden so, Ring is doing. And, so and who, who would you a, pick? Who do you think is going to win? Uh, I want to say Plague Tale. Uh, okay. But I think it's going to be God of War Ragnarok. I think it's either going to be Ragnarok or Immortality. I think one yeah. of those two is going to take this home. It's going to be tough because Immort- I'm telling you guys, Immortality is coming for these awards. And this yeah. could be an upset. I will just say that. I think Ragnarok's going to pull it off. You know, and again, in, in, we, I don't know if we said this at the top of this, but we're not picking what we would pick. We're picking what we think is going to win yeah. the award based on votes. I think Ragnarok will take it, but I think Immortality has a chance. So that's where I'm yeah. at with that. Yeah. Um, so uh, best, best game direction is Elden Ring, 
God of War, Ragnarok, Rise of Forbidden West, Immortality, Stray. Um, this is a tough one because this is usually the one that they give to the runner-up. Um, so I'm going to go God of War, Ragnarok, uh, taking best game direction. Mm, okay. the, one, the, the, the things they do with the camera and the one shot and the change of perspective, which is different for 2018, I think they do a really dope-ass job with that. And I think that it is probably the, the game that you see being directed the most, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I I kind of think Elden Ring's going to take this one because for me, I think Elden Ring caused a lot of people to re to revisit what they think open world games should be yeah. because of the you know not holding your hand and not having three million icons on the map. I think that sense of game direction was so refreshing for people that I think it it is going to change people's tolerance levels to what is acceptable for an open world action rpg and i think when you can make that kind of a wave i think that definitely constitutes winning uh this it award so that's my ring. pick yeah it should be able to ring but fortunately it's always used as the runner-up machine so that's kind of why i'm uh, picking a god of war but i agree i agree with that mm-hmm. ring. game of the year the big one here a uh, plague tale requiem i love that Love that. Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Love Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, Marco is, is is all about Stray being on here. Yeah, I, I think that I think it's going to be Elden Ring. Um, I just think it, it, it's a game that's going to win. I probably would pick Elden Ring as well as my personal choice, but I think Elden Ring wins it here. Uh, but all these are deserving uh, games for sure. I think God of War will win. Um, I I kind of flip flopped a little bit here with what you did with game direction and game of the year. I think God of War is going to take it pound for pound. I think it's the better game, and I think the storytelling is what's going to put it over the edge for Elden Ring. I want to address Stray real quick, though. People have talked about you know that doesn't belong here. I I'm going to be caping a lot for Stray later this year when we get to game of the year stuff, and I I think people sell this game short because it it doesn't fit the template of what a game of the year contender is supposed to be because it's a short game. It has a cat well, in it. I, this game, I'm telling y'all, it does not come with a bevy of flaws. It is very good in every aspect of that game. It's just not a sexy pick because it's not a marquee billboard kind of game. Yeah, but I think but- it, it, people got to stop saying it doesn't belong here. I think it absolutely does. I think people who say that are, 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 are just, being difficult and, and obnoxious because we're talking about the game awards which i were a game like disco elysium one game of the year a game that nobody really played at, at that time a game where untitled goose game uh was was did it win that year untitled goose game i think untitled goose game might have won i don't know i better not have won or else and, i don't uh, want to be uh, in this timeline anymore yeah, but I mean, th- these are the games that have been nominated for for Game of the Year. So, yeah, I mean, look, you can't get mad at people for liking what they like. And and, and Stray is definitely a game that Marco uh, loved and adored. And um, most most everybody that I've known that played it uh, just think it's it's a great game. So it makes sense mm-hmm. that it's here. It does. I, at first, I was kind of shocked. I was like, really? Like, Stray? Cause just, just because it's not a game that's in the conversation as much as the other games, though Plague Tale isn't really in the conversation, and it came out a lot more recently. So it's it, this is... This this is a really good collection of games under the game of the year for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, that was a lot of fun running through this. We'll definitely uh, have a uh, a follow up when the game awards is over to talk about who won, uh, snubs, people that we thought you know kind of stole the show, and obviously all the new reveals and stuff that we see uh, in typical. 
uh, Jeff Keighley fashion uh, for sure. But um, until then, it's time to jump into the main event of the show uh, this week, which is the Checkpoint Chat. Let's get to it right now. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, so our end of year coverage continues on. Last week, we gave out grades to PlayStation. We told y'all what we think of Jim Ryan, what we think of the games, what we think of everything, and we gave some grades out. We're going to do the exact same thing, the exact same way with Xbox, and we have a lot to say about uh, our boys over at Xbox. Team Green, you're up, okay? So we're going to follow the same uh, template as before. We're going to talk about some highs, some lows, and at the end, we're going to issue out our final grades for Xbox this year and explain why. Uh, Pablo, let's not waste any time, man. Let's start with the positives. Um, And I think the best place to start is the fact that this is still the best value in gaming. But I want to kick it over to you first. Tell me yeah. how you're feeling about this as one of their big strengths. Yeah, value proposition here can't be denied. Games like Pentiment and Vampire Survivors are the, the most recent standouts. Games like MLB The Show, Day and Date, still remain uh, as a baller-ass move, taking a Sony-developed uh, <laughs> game and putting it on their system is still dope. And what we're talking about this year, I think it, it, we have to also talk about what Game Pass is going to be and and and, and I think that's undeniable too. Like 2023's Game Pass is, is going to be massive. It's going to be huge. And I think that when you look at what Game Pass is offering now and what that price point for now is going to get you next year, I mean, I, I it's hard to, to sit here and, and, and have anything bad to say about the value in this. And I love Game Pass for its value, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and there's something to be said for... Um, what Xbox didn't do compared to their competition, which includes right. raising the price of their consoles and making upgrade paths to next-gen versions difficult, like these things that are still problems or just pains in the butt, you know, with, with you know, PlayStation, they're not a problem here. And, and we no. don't want to get it too much into PlayStation versus Xbox because that's just fanboy territory. But I'm just saying, I think there's a real gulf in you know, really trying to be a value first um, company compared to their competition. And that says a lot. And that is going to win over a contingent of the community. Yeah. Um, and it it's definitely been prevalent um, in, you know, all throughout this year, pretty much. So I, I think it's absolutely a strength. And I think that leads into the second strength of this year. Do you want to add anything to that, by the way, before we yeah, move on? Yeah, real quickly, I know a lot has been said and a lot has been made of them trying to purchase Activision and Blizzard, but business stuff outside, all that to me reads like, great, Diablo 4 is going to be on Game Pass. So yeah. another addition, something that happened this year, another addition to the future of a Game Pass and what that may be. But yeah, I, I agree. I agree. When it comes to value proposition, Xbox and the guy we're going to talk about now really are leading the way in that in a way that nobody's nobody is absolutely nobody in the industry is doing this yeah so yeah that, that, that that's that's awesome yeah and the, and the guy that we're talking about is uh matt booty no it's uh phil spencer <laughs> it's phil spencer i just wanted to say matt booty that's just such a yeah. fun name to say um phil spencer being phil spencer is actually how we have it written in our docket yeah. um because that's almost the best way to describe it you know um i think I will say as a caveat, you know, Phil Spencer is not stupid. He plays yeah. into the good guy role. 
He, it, you know, some of it is genuine for sure. Cause I think Phil is genuinely a good dude. Uh, and he wants good things for us as gamers, but he's also a businessman. He's also in charge of a very important division for Microsoft. So he is shrewd in his own unique way. But I think what makes Phil Spencer great is that it usually leads to positives. It usually, and even with the negatives, which we'll get into in a short while, there is a there is a, a sense of earnesty and honesty in the way that he will talk about yeah. those those issues. And I think that's yeah. really important for a community that is more aware than ever of what's going wrong or right in a particular company's business operation. But where where do you yeah. stand? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, not to, to to not to get too much into what about isms, but he is uh, the antithesis to Sony and Nintendo's cold and dis- disconnected approach to running their business. Like he's connected with the community, and it's not afraid to to face. It is not afraid to be the face of Xbox at times. You know, a lot of these companies kind of shy away from having a, a specific person to go to right. because all the questions, all the doubts, everything is going to run through that person. And he's not afraid uh, to be that. And he's, of course, the guy who navigated Xbox away from its potential demise. And and turning a ship of that size always takes time. But he's been on the forefront of that. And I think he's done a really good job with that. And I think because it is Phil Spencer, I, 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 I feel that I have... I have confidence in in that 2022 was a blimp on on the what's going to be an outstanding run for the Xbox Series X and beyond. Uh, we'll see over time if my confidence and optimism in Phil has been misplaced, but I'm pretty confident that because it is Phil Spencer that we're going to be talking about Xbox Series X at the end of the cycle, and 2022 is going to be a distant memory where we're going to be like, oh yeah, I remember that was a pretty bad year, like it's happened before with different consoles, but again. There are things that, that are happening within the studios that do need to be addressed. Uh, we'll get and we'll there. See we'll Phil get Spencer's, there. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see Phil Spencer's up to the task. I, I, I feel good as an Xbox fan to have Phil Spencer in my corner. That's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the third thing that we have in our list of highs is uh, it's a bit of an X factor because it's xCloud gaming. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it that way. I, I promise. I didn't mean it that way. Um, my head was in the clouds when I said that. <laughs> hey man, you, <laughs> tell see you, me. you feel me? Do you, you see? I feel you. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, why don't you go first on this one, Pablo? I'm gonna go ahead and save face real quick. What are you talking about? This? <laughs> a lot of people are are, are kind of uh, hedging their bets on metaverse and VR, and Xbox is kind of marches the beat of their own drum here. They're going with cloud gaming as their next big evolution of gaming. While while I I, I think that those other things are cool, I think that. Cloud gaming is the future. I think that's kind of where we're going here. I think we're, we're seeing it already. And the potential of xCloud is truly incredible. Uh, playing games whenever, wherever you want is far more appealing concept than playing a game in a virtual space to me. Um, I think that some games run incredible, incredibly well on the system. I think that some games will run better than others, sure. But I think that the, the, the promise of xCloud, I, I think that if executed in the way that I think it's going to be executed. It's going to be a game changer for years to come. It, it, it really yeah. is. I know a lot of people talk about the death of consoles, uh, but they talk about it because people won't buy consoles. I think the death of consoles will eventually happen, but not because people weren't buying consoles. People are going to be buy, playing those games over the air. Now, there's a lot 
to be desired still with, with certain things. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Vampire Survivor. I, I played that on the touch on touchscreen on my phone. It is horrible. Um, but you know those things will get better as time goes on. But the promise, the promise of XCloud. You could even play games like uh, Isomnium Files, which obviously makes sense. But then you got uh, Streets of Rage Four and even Like a Dragon right now. Uh, Persona. On yeah, yeah. Yeah. So persona all that yeah so super dope uh uh next step in the evolution of video games here and i think that xbox has taken that step forward and there's everybody's playing catch-up and everybody's gonna be playing catch-up here so if, if this hits they're gonna be in the forefront of this the reason why x cloud works so well getting away from the technological aspects of it is because it is it is its role with the Xbox ecosystem is that it's about convenience. It's not what the Xbox ecosystem revolves around. It's not the Stadia of, of right. Xbox, where it's your only option. It is an accessory. It is something that you can do that supplements your game experience, but it uh, it's not at the core of the game experience. And I think that's really important, it's, and I think it's why the Stadias of the world fail, because... Stadia was trying to solve a problem that really didn't exist for its time. Right. Um, you know, there was nobody that needed to hurry up and go from playing on their laptop to their phone to their you know TV in rapid fire fashion. That was a that was an unrealistic scenario that that Stadia was trying to fix. With with this, it this is perfect for people who are maybe traveling for a few days and they don't feel like lugging their Xbox and they can just pull something up and play it in a more convenient fashion. It's it's meant to be the perfect band-aid for when you don't have the perfect access to your console. And I think as long as they keep its use modest like that, I think it's got a lot of shot, uh, a lot of potential to be a great, you know, staple of Xbox. Um, I think we're a ways off before streaming gaming becomes the baseline uh, because there's things like data caps that we have to think about. And there's obviously input late, you know, latency issues is still going to be a problem because it's not ideal um, compared to playing on console. Um, but as a concept, I think it has a lot of potential. And this year was a great step in that direction. And I hope to see um, more games come to Game Pass that are a great fit for xCloud gaming like the ones we listed off. Yeah. So I think it's a huge and, part of it. And I think at the concept, it's the one that has, it's it's been the most realized so far because I, I think VR, Web3 yeah. gaming, NFT gaming, metaverse stuff, I think that stuff is pie in the sky shit. Still, it really know? is, with, yeah. With VR, with VR being you know, a thing, I just don't think that, I, I would never want to play a VR game over, let's say, like uh, an actual PS5 or Xbox Series X console first party game. It's never going to happen. Like, it's not a thing I'm going to choose over that. But yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, we got through the highs, but we got to talk about these lows, man, because uh, oh, boy, yes. what a year. Last week, Pablo tried to warn you all at the end of our episode, buckle up. I hope you're buckled because uh, we got to talk. And I think we got to start with the obvious. Yeah. First party titles. First party title management, lack of marquee first party games, delays, whatever you want to call it. The 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 concept of first party software from Microsoft was abysmal this year. Um it's great that we had Pentiment and Grounded, I guess, to give us something, but this was an abomination of a year when it comes to first party titles and i i it really grates me that people don't 
give Xbox enough flack for this because there's so, especially Xbox centric podcasts, you, you would listen to them and think that there's nothing wrong, you know, but this was a, this was one of the driest years I've ever seen from a console almost ever. Um, this was bad. It's not just the fact that Starfield and Redfall got delayed. They, I know they were hanging their hat on those two games coming out this year, but it was also all the stuff we heard about games that are having trouble development. The Perfect Dark situation, Playground Games having a hard time making a fable. Um, we just recently heard about State of Decay 3 going through problems. Um, we heard um, it's it's so bad that I'm actually free, uh, ever wild. Still no idea what that game is or when that game's even going to be re-revealed again. It's just a consistent theme of no first-party games, always looking ahead to the future, but the here and now always seems to suck with Xbox. And it, it really, as much as I love Microsoft in, in the console space, that old saying of Xbox has no games begrudgingly still fits. And that's yeah. what's frustrating for me because it this year could have been so competitive with, with, with PlayStation and Nintendo, but they just, they just dried up early and it just got yeah. bad. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much cap uh, captured every point that I was wanting to make. It, it's just, you know, first and foremost, the delay of, of Starfield and Redfall, uh, it was detrimental to their to their slate. Because if those two games would have came out, it would have been good. I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be having a whole different conversation. But the fact that they those games are delayed and, and the fact that... Uh, studios seemingly can't are, are being mismanaged or can't really get the ball rolling on, on these games that we are wanting to see and, and, and not even and mentioning games like like studios like rare who had to restart uh their their, their game it's a lot of stuff is happening within this uh family of, of first party uh teams where it's really tough, man. It's really tough to sit here and be confident that they're going to be able to pull it together. I mean, with the exception of maybe Obsidian and maybe uh, the Coalition, uh, there's not real much hope for all the other studios to not only get their shit together, but then actually deliver a product that is going to be, uh, you know, going to be great. I mean, you know, so there's a lot riding on on, on, on on specifically Starfield. So we'll see how that pans out. But that shouldn't have been the case. But now it is the case because now you're putting so much to that because all your other studios are now uh, floundering that now you're putting undue pressure on a lot of these games and it's going to be tough for a lot of these games to they'll probably come out and be fine or be even good but because they have to be great that's when we're going to start losing thread here so that's a bad position to put those those teams in and then just you know and just just the, the sad state of, of 2022 when it comes to those games yes it's true we got some really cool third-party games to fill that void but i mean you know that's not really going to cut it going it's forward. not sustainable you know? no yeah it's, it's not gonna cut it. it's not sustainable uh and there's far too many promising ips that xbox holds holds in their hands for them to to withhold that first any longer 2023 is going to be a huge year for them uh in terms of uh those games so they have to deliver they have to deliver and sadly next year I think that Xbox has to, every game that Xbox releases first party has to be a banger. You can't be any mediocre games because the, the, the conversation behind that is going to eat them up. Like it's just, it's, it's going to be too much for them to, yeah. to, to sustain. Um, yeah. So they're going to have to put out at least four or five good 
marquee first party games next year, in my personal opinion. I think they got to get Forza out the door. They got to get Hellblade yeah. out the door. And they got to uh, obviously Starfield, Redfall, and maybe one other. But they got to get some games say, out. I would say if 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 Redfall, Starfield, and uh, Forza are like incredible games, they could get away with that. It's still not going to be great. It's not going to be ideal. They can get away with that if they're like like seminal titles in in in, in video game. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Hellblade has to show its face. I mean, that's a game that's been probably the first game that's been in development for the for the next generation of consoles. So yeah, there's going to be they have to come out and they have to be good. Not sorry, they have to be great. They yeah, do. absolutely. They put themselves. They painted themselves in that position, and now that's what's uh, now that's that's what the that's what it is, and that and that's how they have to deliver. Yeah, and this is why you know like game pa- one of game passes if not its most important pillar of all is first party content that comes day and date you have one of your biggest pillars not being fulfilled and i'm hearing you guys talk about we might increase the price of game pass how about you do it after you've already fulfilled what you promised game pass was going to be um it, so it's just it's it's a very it's a very rickety year for Game Pass, uh, you know, which is kind of leading into our second low here. It's been inconsistent, and I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time like fessing up to that, especially hardcore Xbox fans. But it hasn't been as a much of a banger-filled year of Game Pass as it was before. Talk about they it. They paid $600,000 for Cooking Simulator. Come, Come on, on they, man. What are we talking they, about? They, desperate. That that, that just kind of smells like desperate to me. I mean, they did get um, they did get uh, Requiem, a Plague Tale, which they is They got is Immortality. Got, um, yeah, Immortality. Some other stuff. It hasn't been all bad, stuff. but it's been inconsistent. Right, right. But it, it, the inconsistency there, the inconsistency there is is tough, especially like Marco said. You don't have that first party pillar, which is the one thing that stands them apart from the Sony uh, services, the Nintendo services. And now they have this, and you know we're getting we're getting Nintendo Switch level of of, of bullshit releases week in week <laughs> out on Game Pass. Like uh, sometimes I see the games are releasing, and I'm like. Uh, what is this you know yeah and then of course you have the conversations like Merkel said on the xbox centric uh, podcast where it's like you guys have to try R- realm reborn or or some uh. mount the, the, the your horses uh or some shit like that it's like um <laughs> i don't want to do any of uh, that my peppa pig play yeah, that oh please. you know how many times i, I heard of that and, and people said it in quote unquote jest but they were really talking about you know it's actually surprising like come on guys shut don't do your that. whore yeah, mouth it, face it, it's <laughs> a consistent year for game pass which is a bad combination with the fact that you don't have first party title games it, it's like this is the the, the the just kind of like where they are it is is really bad mm-hmm. it is really really bad because they they didn't fortify the game pass with bangers like we thought they would one of my predictions for the year is like okay first party is going to be slim but we're going to have gotham knights and hogwarts and these games that are bangers they're going to fortify game pass sure they might not be first party games but they're there on the on game pass and that's going to be huge for them and you know not that's not really the case that's yeah. not something that, that really actually happened you know some some indie darlings for sure came out you know and and, and are good game i know norco is a game that people have been talking about just came out on the thing i haven't checked it out just yet things like that are, are cool and all but you have to have the, the good stuff you have to have the the bangers you have to make the 15 dollars a month really work for you if you're not releasing those first party titles yeah yeah even some of the indier like the indier ones are are 
they just don't pick them very well, you know? Like, it's like, you know, there's like the Somervilles of the world and the Scorns of the world that just kind of, you know, limp out of the gate. And it's like, okay, I guess it's this is another prototypical Xbox Game Pass pick where it's just kind of, I, you know what I mean? And again, it's it's a very stark contrast to what their competition does, where they've built such a reputation on the other side of picking good, you know, um, third-party games that it's like, even though I'm not interested in that, because they picked it, maybe it could be better than I thought. Whereas Xbox, it's like, maybe they're just kind of collecting table scraps and calling it a meal, you know? And that's yeah, where it gets yeah, a little yeah. a little dicey for me. But it hasn't been a great year for Game Pass. It hasn't been an awful year. But I again, I just think we're so... So much of the discourse is like, oh, the value of Game Pass. I I agree, but we can't stop the conversation there. We all know Game Pass is a great deal, but Game Pass has a responsibility as a service to bring consistently strong titles to the service and yeah. not once in a blue moon, you know? Yeah, for every Astux Falls, Pentiment, or Immortality we get, we get Trek to Yomi or something like that. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Or Origami 2, whatever that game is. It's 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 just... It's it's inconsistent and 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 that's not that's not how you're gonna that's not how you're gonna maintain your your game pass and, and this was the year by the way that people made huge news by declaring that they've uh, unsubscribed from game pass so <laughs> well, thanks you for know, telling me guys that that's some bullshit there but also I mean it it, it was a statement being made towards to, to to kind of fortify our argument here that yeah. If if you had to pick a year for to kind of get yourself off a of game pass for a while, this probably would have been the year to do that. So I would agree. Yeah. If it was yeah. a year to take a year off, this would be the year for sure. Yeah. Um the third and final low. Now we could have easily lumped this in with the first party management thing, but I think but this, this is, is particular. It's just too big of a problem to leave to lump in with one thing. And that is the sorry state of Halo and 343 Industries. We've talked on this show a lot about all of the ups and downs, and I say ups and downs very respectfully because it's been way more downs than ups, but nevertheless, we've talked a lot about this whole situation. This has been the biggest blemish on Xbox by far. I mean, the lack of first-party games, it that stings a lot, but when you're looking at a tentpole franchise that is one of the most iconic in gaming history. It is Xbox's Mario. And you're watching this systematic decline, this tailspin into something below mediocrity, into just flat out embarrassing, embarrassing game de- game design decisions, um, cut content, uh, promising features, then then taking it back, delaying things, terrible roadmaps, and then obviously the internal stuff going on with turnover um, and, and, you know, the head honchos are leaving, new regimes are coming in. This, and then, then the abysmal TV show. I mean, you've got, dog, you got Meg the Stallion twerking on Master Chief on stage. And I, what are we doing? What are we doing anymore? What's going on? Like, yeah. you don't see people. I'm sorry, but you don't see Sony doing this with Kratos. You don't see so- yeah. Nintendo doing this with Link. This is an embarrassing, embarrassing time for Halo. And you're not making it any better when you're making a mockery of your own iconic character. 
Like yeah. it's just bad from game to developer to publicity. It's just been a complete train wreck, and I think it's been horribly uh, embarrassing that in such a way where it makes me worried for other games that are not even at this level. If you can't get Halo right, what kind of confidence should I put in you about other games that you've got coming out? You know yeah. what I mean? So it, that's just kind of my opening salvo. But what do you got? Yeah, I think it should have been more uh, obvious to us when they said that Halo uh, Infinite was going to have a free-to-play multiplayer. That kind of now just kind of reads out like multiplayer that's not ready, folks, yeah. is, is kind of what, what that uh, reads now. Because, yeah, I mean, it, 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 they delayed this game a whole year. It delayed a crucially when it was the only launch game that was going to have or a uh, launch window game uh and they played it a whole year and you know me and marco sat on the show i'm like good for them they did what they needed to do get that game right game comes out the, the single player stuff is fine i mean I, I like it i think a little more than marco but i think ultimately everybody knows what halo is and it's multiplayer component and that component is a fault it's flawed it's it's not good it doesn't have enough it, it's it's seemingly left in the wind already i mean it's it's just there's a lot going on behind the scenes and halo has uh unfortunately taking the brunt of the uh, of the abuse when it comes to that. And then uh, I think this is part of the... This is one of the reasons why Microsoft having money is great, but also not great, because now they have the money to put Master Chief and Halo on the forefront. And when they do that, you get the Megan Stallion twerking on, on on Master Chief. You get the, the Halo show that, that for me, is, is absolutely an embarrassment. Uh, but because they have the money for that, and, and it's getting a lot of um, traction within the entertainment industry, but when it comes down to the core of it as to what this is, it's a video game first and foremost, that is suffering the most, and that's unfortunate. And I don't know where Halo goes from here. I think the damage has been done. I think that the 10-year plan that they have for this is absolutely washed. I think that they have to move on from this. I think 343 Industries, and I I, I don't want anybody to lose their jobs. I think, you know, they can find jobs for these folks i think 343 industries i think should go nuclear option and should blow 343 industries up and and keep the ip and, and shop it around give it to to other companies give it to, to to other companies that you have i just think that the name 343 industries 343 i i think has been marred in a way that it is the next halo game that is announced and it's being developed by 343 industries there is no reason and for me to be a hype about it or have any confidence in the game at all whatsoever other than there's no way that they dropped the ball again, right? That is, that is other than that, right? They're, they're, it's just, it's a sad state of affairs, unfortunately, and it is, and it is worrisome because, like you said, Marco, it is their Mario, and if they are dropped the ball so hard on their Mario, what are they going to do with their Zelda or their, uh, you know, or whatever else? Right. I, they, and I'll tell you, we had a a, a, a segment on the show once where um, we talked about it was a versus thing, I think, where we did Halo versus. Gears and yes. I had Halo and you had Gears and I was adamant about Halo being the better franchise. Um, this game was so bad in terms of the overall that it had completely it's completely changed 
my view on that. I, I now I feel Gears is the better franchise. It always has been, and I just been blinded <laughs> by the Halo, <laughs> by the AllSpark, you know. Uh, but I think uh, ultimately for me, I, I think Halo has a lot to prove, and more than any other title, I think that Gears could come out and 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 be fine. But I think because of Halo and 343's industry struggles, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to, to, to climb themselves out of this. So much so, like, yeah. like I said, I think 343 Industries probably should go away in some way or fashion. And even if they go away or rebrand, rename something, uh, they have to do something to, to kind of wash that stank off of them because it smells like shit up in there. Mm. Yeah, Something's- dude. <laughs> and, and here's what's confusing or concerning, rather, about the future of, of 343. And this is why, because I think people hear you say blow up 343, people are going to go, well, you know, they just got Joseph Staten in there and he's restructuring and he knows Halo. And here's the problem with that. Joseph Staten comes from old school Halo. The problem with Halo is how to how to ingratiate itself with modern gaming. Yeah. So if you're figuring out how to get Halo to to move forward, getting a guy that from from back in the day yeah, doesn't really backwards. make sense. It's yeah. a contradiction. I'm sure that yeah. he loves Halo and he's passionate about Halo, but does Joseph Staten know how to make a great live service game? Yeah. I don't think so. I think he knows how to make yeah. great multiplayer games, but I don't think he knows how to guide the model of, of, of a live service title. I don't think hey, look, he knows about Royale games and how to make those effective. I don't think he's ever had a 10-year roadmap to deal with before. So when people immediately say, yeah, but Joseph Staten, think about that for a second. Is that actually the right fit? Or is well, it not? Listen, I mean, I mean, look, and, and I think the thing that's even even more scary about this is that apparently uh, Joseph Staten came in here and fixed a lot of the shit that was wrong with with the game within that year, and the product that we released was a far better version of what was there before. So I think Joseph gets his due when it comes to improving the game. Right. But the future of Halo, it's a weird thing to say. In order for the future of Halo to go forward, you got to go backwards, like you know. That's a very like, it's a you, very nostalgic way of looking at it, like back to the roots, you know, like it, and pe- and, that's not and it. And people were misconstrued that, Marco. They're gonna say, well, Halo feels a certain way, and they should always feel that's not what we're saying. We're talking about as a live service game mm-hmm. and the things in which that happened with with a battle pass or anything like that, those things need to need need to be on par with what is happening now. And, right. and so it doesn't come across as and, and I and I do say I do think that Halo has some good ideas. The the fact that you can access your your battle pass anytime you want and yeah. doesn't go away. It's cool. I think that stuff is cool. Stuff to build on. Yeah. But man, it, it, just the output of, of of content has been so bad that it's I mean, you, the the numbers are there in terms of concurrent players. It's down. That's bad. depressing. It's down horribly. It's depressing. And, and you know, and it's a game that me and Marco enjoyed quite a bit, but we fell off of it fairly quickly. Yeah, there wasn't speaking. anything left to do, and it's it kind of yeah. sucks when you don't get XP for playing well in a game. <laughs> that, that's yeah, kind of yeah, awful. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's tough because it, it's one of those things that it was like, oh, this probably will be our our Overwatch, our forever multiplayer game, where we're always going back to it. And man, that shit got staler than than, than a bag of chip, open bag of chips, mm. uh, sitting on the counter, man. It what was, kind of chips? Like salt and vinegar chips, sun chips? What, what, what do you think? Funyuns? I mean, nothing gets more nothing gets more staler than just regular classic lays if you leave them open for a little too long. Man, those make my stomach hurt. They're too greasy. 343 is the greasy, stale bag of Lay's potato chips. Quote from Pablo. (laughs) You heard it there first. You heard it here first. Okay. We got to the highs. We got to the lows. It's time to give out grades to this hoe, man. (laughs) 
to be a hoe for? Because <laughs> Microsoft is a hoe. Hoe tendencies. Um, Pablo, mm-hmm. talk to us. What is what? First, tell us what you gave Xbox last year, and a then plus. tell us what we, what we got this year. What's what's up? Yeah, last year was great. A lot of great games last year. Uh, at third least, we were we're hype on Halo, even though it turned out to be trash. But A yeah. plus, I think if we were to do that again, it'd be a little lower. But mm. A plus, done the case this year. D. Woo. It gets it gets the D. I mean, look, best value <laughs> gaming, sure. Phil Spencer is great, awesome. The potential of X Cloud Gaming, oh, that's all good. It's a video game console. We should be playing games. Yeah, We're gonna have that. It's important. A consistent year for their for their pillar, their main pillar, Game Pass. That's a problem. A consistent support for their main franchise in Halo. I mean, they should be. It should probably be an F. I just I might have talked myself into an F, but Did I mean, you just do it. Did you just do it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I still think I, I still think that 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 there's a lot there. I think that the potential of of X Cloud Gaming is huge. I think there's a lot of value still. I think we got some good good games. Pentiment. I'm really loving Pentiment right now. V- uh, Vampire Survivor. Um, you know the the world. Uh, Nobody saves the world is a game that you know people love, and it also came out in Game Pass. Little things like that. There's a lot of things here that are, are going to save this from a, a complete F. But ultimately, for me, man, this is a straight up D. Yeah. Last year, I gave it an A minus uh, for similar reasons. I thought Halo at the time was great. I loved Forza Horizon Five. I still do, uh, and I yeah. thought they had a great year with Game Pass for sure. And Phil Spencer was 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 killing it. I gave him a D plus. Um, look, as much as I hate to say this, Xbox is all talk. Xbox has been all talk all year. It is great to hear all these really nice, cool figureheads say all the right things. But at the end of the day, I did not buy this console and spend hundreds of dollars on the console, control services, and all this stuff just to sit around and twiddle my thumbs and wait for next year. I am tired of waiting for next year when it comes to Xbox hardware. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of always having to look ahead. Well, 2023 is going to be the year. And then when that's not the year, 2024 is going to be the year. You can't keep... Doug, we're almost three years in. Yeah, We're almost three years in. You cannot keep telling me to wait. I'm tired of it. And as a consumer, it's obnoxious to hear about what the future holds when I'm stuck in a here and now where I have very little compelling reasons to turn that console on unless I just so happen to prefer playing third-party games on that console or something drops on Game Pass. And with the kind of year Game Pass had, even that was a bit of a problem. So you can't have these kinds of issues. Then add to it all these delays, all these headlines about troubled development coming from most of your marquee studios, and then the absolute atrocity that is Halo right now, and expect me to sit here and be satisfied in what you're offering. The future looks bright when it's always when it's Xbox, but the here and now is always bleak, and that's what sucks. Like Xbox had a great year last year when it came to laying down some foundation, getting some first-party titles up and running, and giving us the impression that okay, we've we've learned some lessons from. The the Xbox One era, and we're not going to put y'all through that again. But when, I, as I said earlier, when you can still make the argument of Xbox has no games, even though it's a bit facetious because they do, but when you can still make that into a discussion because of all these fl- these these flubs and, and and fumbles, that's a problem for me that they should not be having in 2022. The pandemic excuse is over. I'm tired of hearing that too. Oh, well, the pandemic, the pandemic. The pandemic has not stopped a lot of games from coming out since the pandemic. What's your problem? 
You know what I'm saying? So like at the end of the day, I love Xbox. I will always love Xbox, but they are making it very hard to do so when I'm just hearing all the right things and not playing all the right things. They got to step it up. So this year, as much as I hate to say it, is a D-plus year for them. I'm hoping and praying for a better year. I would love to be able to dole out an A, an a again uh, next year by the time Starfield, Redfall, and all these other games are out and hopefully good. But I got to call a spade what it is, and this has been a yeah. abysmal year for our friends yeah. at uh, hey. Xbox. And, and look, uh, 2023 is going to be super interesting because there's a possibility that scripts might flip. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. we definitely will. Uh, but that is going to wrap up our checkpoint chat, and it's going to wrap up this week's show as well. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you did, please be sure to subscribe to us so that you can catch the rest of our end of year uh, coverage that we promised you. Uh, and don't forget to follow us on IG and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time so that we'll always be in your FOV. Until next time, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Make me feel good.